Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Okay, so we are joined here today by Anna Rosen. Anna, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so my name is Anna Rosen. I am an enterprise solutions engineer here at VoiceFlow, and I help enterprise clients figure out how to solve the problems that they're trying to build for, whether it's you know custom drive through assistance, voice banking, smart IVR systems, or even you know, Google and Alexa experiences. So VoiceFlow is a design, build, and prototyping tool for every conversation. Like I mentioned, doesn't matter the output, whether it's chat, IVR, or a custom intent assistant. Love it. Yes, VoiceFlow. We're talking about VoiceFlow today. Anna uh, is there, and honestly, one of my favorite companies that I've been following, really, in any of the spaces that I cover. Um, I'm cheering hard for you all. I think it's just such an awesome uh, sort of you know way that you all are are tackling this space, and and we're going to talk all about what you all just announced yesterday. Uh, it is February 23rd. So on February 22nd, you guys released uh, Voice Flow 2, um, the big update that I know that you've all been working on for over a year, uh, and it did not disappoint in any way. I think this is just so cool to see. Um, I think one of the most important tools as it relates to uh, the evolution of the voice space kind of being built in real time before our eyes. And so, uh, I've got connected with you. Um, I think it's really cool that you have this uh, background in, you know, both developer, but also in enterprise sales. Um, because, you know, I think that it's always really cool to hear about what is resonating with businesses. Like what are the enterprise accounts thinking about? They're um, probably going to be on the forefront of, of ways that these types of experiences get deployed um, and, and some of the big things that we see uh, in the market initially as this space continues to progress. But before we jump into voice flow and voice flow too, share with us a little bit about how you even got introduced to voice flow, what led you there and you know what your time's been like in the period of time that you've been there. Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I've been aware of voice flow for a number of years back when I was at an agency building mostly voice experiences for clients all over the world, mostly in North America, but uh, certainly across the pond as well. And I looked into VoiceFlow at the time, but it wasn't what I needed for what I was doing. Um, since then, they've done a completely revamped code base. So that tool that I looked at all those years ago is not the same as it is right now and certainly not after yesterday with our latest releases. But essentially I I stayed in touch with Braden. I think I gave him some feedback about the tool back then. Uh, he tried to hire me and then uh, he stayed in contact for about a year before I agreed to join the team. <laughs> he he finally got you. Um, yeah, the the thing that I find really cool about Voice Flow is like it used to be Story Flow, right? And so they were building, um, you know, turnstile uh, story, uh, like a story flow, you know, like you would have a create your own experience. And then like, if you choose this, then it would open up a new path. And that would then lead to a different part of the story. And so each path would lead to different ways. But what's fascinating is they sort of, I think, as I understand it, realized that the bigger opportunity was around how you actually create these experiences. I think they ran into a lot of issues initially in terms of the development of their own skills. And they saw that if we're having these issues, then there are probably a number of others that are as well. Yeah, that's certainly how they got into the space. And it was originally this really great, you know, no code tool to service the smart speaker industry. And that's kind of where we got our start, which is, is still something that we do. And even with the latest updates in V2, we're always aware of that part of our user base, making sure that we're still taking care of them in terms of the needs that, that they have. Um, but it actually transfers really well into 
our where we're focusing now, which is on more enterprise deals and on on expansion beyond Alexa and Google and smart assistants, because the ability to design in a sleek environment in a way that's easy to understand in a way where you can collaborate with your team members and people can jump on and test things and leave feedback. It works really well for teams as well. It works really well for enterprise experiences. It works really well in a COVID world where everyone's remote. Um, and there was one more point I had. It, it's, it's especially important for non-technical folks, which are members of design teams, conversation teams, UX folks, you know, PMs, to be able to jump on this tool and not be so overwhelmed by, oh, it's too technical, I can't understand it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like for myself, I am that person. I am not technical. I don't have a developer background. Um, but you're, as a testament to VoiceFlow, I was able to create an account, get in there, and it's just very intuitive. Like you said, it's kind of part of the no-code movement, um, which is really intended to be something where you can, you know, through building blocks, um, you know, kind of like Legos almost, you can create uh, something. And and underneath the hood, what you're really doing is you're taking pieces of code and you're more or less designing your own experience without having to actually go in there and code. And that really resonated with me. I mean, that was the big thing for me where I was like, this is a really powerful tool that, in my opinion, you know, the formative stage that we're at right now with um, all of this, you know, particularly the voice assistant experiences, whether it be Alexa, Google Assistant, um, I think that in order for that to really, I think, take off, you will need to enable small businesses, um, all kinds of different, you know, enterprises that don't traditionally have big budgets that they can allocate toward, you know, something that like the blue chip fortune 500 companies have the budget and the, and the, the wherewithal to do um, kind of similar to, I think like the web, you know, in the early nineties, I think that you all are building something that allows and it kind of democratizes the, the enablement of the creation of all this. And I think that, you know, as this space progresses and as it becomes, obviously we're already seeing a sort of proliferation of all the different devices that support um, these types of experiences. Uh, so then the next thing is like, you need to create the supply side. Like, you, you know, all the thing, all the different modalities are, are in existence now that can be a conduit to these experiences. So then it's a matter of how do you make those experiences easy enough to generate um, so that you get this, this big supply of them. And, and that's what I think that you all are really doing. And that's what was on full display with VoiceFlow 2 was this ability that um, really anybody I think can create something in there. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's about, you know, access, it's about empowerment and one one of the things I love about VoiceFlow is how we've been able to do that for so many people for so many different reasons. So we have users that are in their teens who are students, but I was chatting with one of our users who's 65 and she's building a Google action. And it's nice to be able to see that large of a spectrum of users. And uh, Braden mentioned it yesterday, but one of our users was able to buy a car with all of the extra money that he earned building Alexa skills on VoiceFlow. And just being able to see that and have that feedback, I think um, is definitely a big thing for the team. Yeah, and not to mention that he also said that that you have developers in 100 different countries now. And I think that's another really big point here too, is that this is something that is not re, you know limited to um, a handful of markets. Like this is something that is being widely deployed. And uh, I think people are finding lots of creative uses for it. So I think that's a really, really cool thing too. And to go back to, you know, what, what all you were displaying and kind of like you said, this evolution of moving beyond just, um, Google Actions and Alexa skills. Um, I, I'll link it in the show notes, but that showing versus telling video that you all created was so powerful. Um, you know, just to kind of give the audience a little bit of an idea of what I'm referring to here. Um, basically, it is like on full display showing that, you know, you can um, kind of like prototype in real time the, the building of. Um, 
all these different channels. So you think about Alexa, Google, Siri, Microsoft Teams, Twilio, Facebook Messenger, SMS, Slack, right? And then you have all the different modalities that these things can be ported to. So you have cars and smart speakers and phones, right? And the different apps contained in them. And so what was really interesting, so it shows somebody kind of in this two minute, really, really well-produced video, um, you know, building a banking skill. So it's like the, the key use case is check my balance, right? And it's showing how you can basically produce this in one fell swoop for all these different channels. And then it shows how it would appear on all these. So, you know, you can check your balance while you're driving, you can check it on your phone, you can check it in Facebook Messenger. And that's again, where I think this is getting to be really interesting. It's going beyond voice and it ties into what Braden said in his voice bot, you know, 2021 prediction where he said, you know, and I'm sure that this was all on his mind because he's like, this is what we're building. But he said, we're going to see two major trends continue in 2021. The merging of chat and voices, one conversational product AI team uh, within enterprises. And that's kind of the way that I walked away from this too, is it's like, that's what's happening here is you have this merging of more or less like computer languages, whether it be natural language processing or it be the chat bots and all that. So that in a very natural, in an increasingly more natural way, I can communicate with these things and they'll understand what I'm saying and they can communicate with me back in these different channels. And that to me is like, this is, like he said, this is a really bigger thing than just voice. This is more about kind of like a conversational AI suite of services. Yeah, and it's all powered by one centralized tool, that being VoiceFlow. And the amazing part about that video, which was my favorite part as well, is that Tyler actually built all of those different channel outputs. So that was real. It wasn't even just a production trick. He, he went ahead and, and did it all just because he knew. He I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's amazing. And it really, it really blows your mind when you start to think about all of the different possibilities that you can use VoiceFlow for at this point. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, so going back to this idea of one platform for it all, I think this is the really important thing for everybody to understand is that, you know, it's this tool is, is I think at the heart of it, it's a prototyping tool and it's a collaborative thing. Just like you said that like where we're all working remotely again, I think there's a bigger picture here. And it, I, I was so struck by this during this yesterday where it felt like such a representation of the future of work because, you know, you see the way that you can work and collaborate in real time like we've all started to get accustomed to with some of the different Google suite of services, you know, when you're in a Google doc with other people and you can kind of just see each other working in real time. Um, I just thought that's really fascinating where, you know, you might have um, a team that's comprised of uh, two designers and a developer or something like that. And, and you're basically within this tool, you can be designing together. Um, you can, I saw that like there's this, um, canvas markup feature that you've added where, you know, you can add labels, images, and hyperlinks as you're going. So again, you can really communicate uh, together in, a, in a, I think a really efficient manner. And that's, I think the name of the game here is speed and, and closing uh, as many of the uh, communication gaps as possible. And I think that this idea of being able to in real time, sort of just like on the fly, create these things and modify these things and just consistently be refining them as a team, um, again, is like, I can see this as being just such an important tool for what, again, as Braden described, this conversational AI new division that I think is probably going to be built within a lot of these different enterprise organizations. And we'll probably see it trickle down and it be a focus much in the same way that a lot of the way that the web went and, you know, SEO initially became something that enterprises were focused on and then everybody became focused on it. It became wide, widespread knowledge of like, you need to kind of understand the way in which these search engines work because that's the way that these you know, that's, that's the way that the user behavior uh, is kind of set. So that to me was such a big part of this. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts like that designing um, in, in the, the advancements that you guys would think are making in that space is just absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. I think 
the the last part that you were touching on, I mean, the big guys, they always have the deep pockets to move faster. That's just, that's the reality. But for the little guys, it's, it's an opportunity for you to see what the big trends are and where things are moving when you start to see like the, the bigger companies jumping on certain trends. So it's important to pay attention to the fact that so many large Fortune 500 companies companies are starting to invest in conversational AI and, and everything like that, mostly working uh, in the dark around what they're actually about to launch. But uh, yeah, important to pay attention to that stuff. In terms of what you were talking about before, it's, it's a design and prototyping tool at heart. And really what it's about is creating this unified language between designers and developers, which is historically um, a relationship that always has this gap. There's always this sort of misunderstanding between what I wanna create and what's actually possible. And speaking from my own experience as a developer, not using VoiceFlow to design conversational experiences or sorry, to build them, um, I was looking at a mishmash of multiple tools. I was having to look at many different documents in order to understand what, exactly what the designer wanted me to do. This was pre-COVID. This was us sitting beside each other for many months, being able to talk all the time. So it wasn't really an issue. That's not really possible anymore, nor is it really the best way to do it anyways. So when you have something like voice flow, I think it's important to be open-minded about a different way. Because I find a lot of the time you have designers and even developers who are very hesitant to move away from the um, modality that they have created around these symbols and these shapes and these colors. So they've sat down in a room together and they've decided that this decision diamond means X and this is an API call in green and da 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 da. But the whole point is that you had to design this language that's not even universal. It's only in your company and perhaps only in your department um, in order to communicate something that VoiceFlow does with a prototype. Because at the end of the day, the communication gap largely is due to how the logic flow of the conversation is going to work. And so on VoiceFlow, because the designer is able to still have that creativity, um, within the confines of structure of what's actually possible to develop, you're able to create something that's actually executable code. And you have all these other amazing features in terms of, you know, Canvas markups for stakeholders, making sure that things are shareable and consumable by people who have no idea what conversation design is. And then of course the advanced features around conversation design, um, specifically around state management and context, which is, one of the most challenging things from a development perspective and one of the most necessary things in terms of a great design perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about it the way that you described there, where it's creating a unified language. And that, to me, seems extremely, uh, again, like it, it kind of transcends just this. It's, I think, something that speaks to a much broader theme, which is like voice and in, in, in conversational AI space, I think is it's almost like because it's so nascent and because it's something that is we're kind of it's all being built as we go um, and it's not inundated with a lot of the legacy systems and the methods and all this, we get to kind of start from scratch. And I find this to be so interesting that this appears to be one of the first things that is recognized as being like maybe um, – a legacy issue that we've had in the past, right? Where part of the issue with any sort of development and design comes from that communication breakdown between designers and developers and being able to create a tool that you are able to collaborate together using a more unified language, I think speaks to this broader theme of like, we're getting a, a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance, you know, however many times you would would cite that we've been through these development cycles. I just find that to be more representative than just like this particular space and more of a representation of uh, kind of like a rethink of how we should be doing these things in general. Yeah, it's interesting as well because it's such a young industry 
however, you still have uh, these certain dichotomies around what people prefer in terms of how they design. I mean, I remember I was on a panel last summer around this whole design development experience for conversation design and how one of the questions was, how closely do you work together? And as a developer, I was like very closely because of everything I said before in order for the two of us to put together something that was actually what the, the client and the designer wanted, uh, that communication had to be flowing. But all of the other panelists answered that it was, I finish my design and I give it to the developer. And then if they have comments, we talk about it the next sprint. And I always thought that was um, an ineffective way to, to go about it. And it's certainly not something that we think happens at VoiceFlow because of the nature of collaboration that I believe is necessary when you're working with this kind of, of developer or this kind of design. So, yeah. No, I agree. I think that's fascinating. Um, so clearly a lot of the people that are listening, I think, um, you know, and the folks from the voice space are familiar with some of the conversations I've had with voice have a general idea of, of some of the different ways that, uh, you know, that people are designing and developing Alexa skills and Google Actions. Um, I'm really curious about some of these other uh, channels that that you've all really highlighted and emphasized. Um, so IVR, uh, I think this is a really interesting one. Um, you know, interactive voice responses. I think anybody listening has interacted with an IVR system. You know, it's like press five for the next menu. And then, you know, so it's a, it's basically just a big layer of different menus that you have to dial into. And it does seem like this is a really area, a really ripe area uh, for a better way of doing things. And I think that conversational AI probably is a perfect, perfect match for this. So can you just share with me, like, what's going on in the IVR space? Why is that becoming an emphasis of you all? And, and how all are, how are you all looking at IVR as part of your total suite? Yeah. So IVR is certainly an area that is ripe for disruption and certainly an area where most of our, our enterprise clients are coming in from. So one of the biggest examples is, is banking or finance because they historically have these very large uh, legacy IVR systems that offer um, not so great customer service. I think that's kind of what they're known for, but the real reason that they're coming and looking at voice flow and, and conversational AI is because of the cost savings that are available to them if they're able to um, streamline the conversation such that the experience happens faster and more seamlessly. So to give you an example, kind of like you touched on, it typically an IVR system has a lot of different menus and you go into sub menus and by the time you're even at the place that you wanna, you wanna be, you've probably been on the phone for seven or eight minutes already. Um, average talk time is probably between 14 minutes to 28 minutes and that's on a good day, um, I'm sure. You've been on call waiting for longer than that, I <laughs> have. Um, so there's this large opportunity here in terms of reducing that call time and also in terms of reducing fulfillment to an agent. And so if we're looking at and thinking about KPIs for IVR systems, we want to get people to the resolution that they want. Customers want to solve most problems on their own. And, and most of the time we want to deflect away from have them having to talk to the agent anyways. So there's a couple of different ways to do this. And we'll talk about first uh, how you would reduce that sort of a menu experience. So instead of you having to press those buttons and going through that very like, I tell you how you can proceed experience, you would change it to something that's more conversational. Um, and that would be something like, you know, Dave, you would call in and the assistant would say, how can I help you today? And then you would be able to say something like, I wanna check my balance, which happens to be one of the number one call drivers in Canada for Canadian banks. So um, that kind of call driver so a call driver, for those that don't know, is the reason that the user or client is calling in. 
Um, that is an example of a situation that can be easily handled by AI, right? I can tell you what that balance is. I can authenticate you um, and I can get you to that resolution. And all of a sudden your call goes from 28 minutes to four minutes and you're happier. And so that saves the bank on average in Canada um, about a dollar a minute. If they get 44 million calls a year, that's going to save them quite a bit of money. I love that. I mean, I think, again, though, it, this ties into the broader suite, right? And this goes into what that showing versus telling video displayed was that this can be part of a, a much larger suite of channels. And I think this is what's so compelling to me is like, um, just as you said, you know, you might have, I mean, clearly, if this is a one of the main reasons that people are calling into their bank, um, like there's lots of different ways that you can check your balance today, right? You can go onto the website, you can use an app, um, but still a lot of people are preferring to use this uh, rather, you know, traditional method of doing it. Um, and I just think that the ability to be in more places uh, uh, and, and, and provide that, the better. And I, th I think that this is what's going to be really interesting to see is that, um, you know, this idea of like chatbots, IVR systems, uh, you know, mobile apps, Google Assistant, Alexa, like all these different things, I think they really will be able to perform that same function. And this is, again, what, what speaks to the power, I think, of voice flow is being able to do it all in one platform and create all of that and prototype all of it and see like, okay, um, you know, we, so, so we're creating this, what's my balance function and everything's running smoothly except the IVR one. And, and you can see in the actual tool, you can run these diagnostic tests to figure out why is that particular channel broken? And again, as a person that like is sort of an outsider here, that to me strikes me as a massive, driver of efficiencies. This seems like just a huge advantage in terms of the speed and the accuracy and, and ultimately just the holisticness of being able to do this all in one. Yeah, it's having this, it's almost like a hive mind or this like brain that powers it all, but it's not being developed in this monolithic experience where it comes from this like central place and everything comes out of that. It's more that Voice flow is this workspace where you are able to have all of those different experiences, all those different, all those different channels, and you can reuse across channels where it's applicable. But then you also can customize across channels where that's necessary as well. Um, but to your point, there is opportunity for multimodal experiences across channels. There's opportunity even with IVR. Um, to tap into multiple systems and kind of do data dipping or whisper uh, effects as well. So if I know that you were just trying to reset your password on the website and then now you're calling in, you know, banks have a lot of information on you. They know that kind of stuff. And so then the IVR system can adapt and say, hey, Dave, I, I noticed that you're trying to reset your password. Is that what you're calling about today? And then again, I'm getting you to fulfillment so much faster. You're happier. The bank saves money. Um, and everyone, everyone walks away happy. And so IVR, smart IVR is definitely one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing uh, people come to VoiceFlow for. Yeah, I mean, as uh, an enterprise salesperson, you would be the one to know um, what are the things that are resonating with these big accounts? I mean, are the first conversations, I, I know that we're talking about banks right now, but in general, um, I'm curious, like, uh, are, are some of these accounts coming to you all to solve IVR things, chatbot things? Are they looking at it more holistically and saying, kind of to Braden's point, the conversational AI suite? I'm curious like where they're beginning in terms of the way they're thinking about this. And then as the conversation progresses, um, are some of the different accounts that you've been working with, like having a higher realization of like, this is this is bigger than what we anticipated initially. And, and it's a much bigger project or um, there's much more potential here, you know, something like that. Yeah. So most folks come to us for a better design experience. It's, it's typically that they've run into some issue with another tool that they're using and they kind of like what voiceful looks like. And they're looking to learn more specifically just about design. 
And then once we get in there, we start to identify like what some of their problems are. Um, then they start to ask all the questions. Well, can you do this? And can you do that? And can you do this? And then that's when all of their ideas start to go all over the place. And it always ends up leading to more than just design. Um, so it, it depends, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And it's interesting because it also is where they're at in their journey of if we're still talking about IVR, like how modern their IVR system is becoming. So some IVR systems uh, in Australia can go as far as to do like a full refund on an IVR experience, which is not something that you're seeing in Canada yet. And so there's all sorts of different places that different companies are at in terms of how smart their IVR systems are becoming. I love it. So let's talk a little bit more about voice flow too. Um, the big announcement yesterday, tell me what your favorite aspect that you all released was. What, what, what did you all unveil yesterday that you personally love the most? Yeah. So aside from the big reveal in terms of our SDK, which just allows developers that flexibility to code in such a modular way and kind of plug and play, uh, the different kinds of tech stack that they need in order to fulfill whatever it is that they want to fulfill. I would say it's visual prototyping. Um, I think that's definitely something that a lot of our, our users were really happy to hear about. It's something that they were asking for, that we were listening, and uh, we really came through for them and everyone was really hyped about, about that. So to give you an idea, it's we released all sorts of new customizable options on your prototype. So now I can send you this prototype, maybe it's a drive-through, and I can also include the visual about the different things that you've ordered, and I can customize it based on screen and size, and I can also customize it based on language, and I can send you a specific part of the conversation instead of sending the whole thing. So there's all sorts of ways in which we've improved the experience of sharing and gathering feedback, but then also in terms of user testing, which is a big thing for conversation designers. Okay. That's really, really interesting. So let's talk a little bit more about this. So um, you're saying that, you know, visual design, so it's helping teams to more or less better articulate what they're trying to, like, I, I'm trying to solve this particular design dilemma and here's just a whole lot more robust information as to what I'm trying to describe to my fellow teammates. Yeah, that it's it's not, it's essentially like a one-to-one -one experience of what you would be experiencing if it was released in the wild. So you're getting that same feel of here is a replica of this experience, and you know whether it's from Love that. Stakeholders typically are, are the big one that get the shareable prototype and then users. So I'm testing this IVR experience on you. I want it to actually look like an IVR experience so that I'm, I'm really setting the scene for this realistic um, testing scenario so that I can gather the data that actually is relevant to me, that kind of thing. I love too that you you've you've used the term um, shareholder, you know, stakeholder. I think that's uh, again from wearing your enterprise hat. This is really interesting too, because I think that as this becomes, I think, more relevant in time, um, and I think that there will be um, a lot of demand in, in terms of people and departments in corporations to legitimize these things. And so if you can make it so that they're easier to, just like you said, so it doesn't look like it's like some prototype and it looks more kind of like the finished product. Um, I think that's really enabling people from an internal standpoint within their organizations to validate and legitimize the projects that they're, they're saying like, you know, this is what we need and this is what this is what it would ultimately look like. I think for the folks that are not immersed in these worlds, um, the stakeholders that might be the powers that be that have the decision-making uh, powers might say that, you know, oh, okay, now I see exactly what you're trying to articulate to me. And, and so therefore it just further enables their ability to get these things passed internally. Yeah. It's how you get internal buy-in. And I know from, you know, working the other side of this relationship, you do typically have to demo 
every couple of weeks, depending on the relationship at the end of sprints. And, and before you're at a place where you can even, let's say we're not using voice law, I'm doing it all myself. You know, it takes some time to put a prototype together. Um, you're not always able to just demo the first four weeks of the project if it's just like very basic stuff. Uh, so being able to bring stakeholders in and have like a prototype that they can touch and test and feel and hear and actually see what what's going on, it does bring them into the experience a lot more easily as opposed to creating some sort of like ad hoc auto magical, like here's a video of what it would do when I'm done developing it versus like, here's an actual prototype of how it really works. Um, and that's that again, in terms of improving communication is a really important piece because it's one thing when you're knee deep in the conversational industry in the conversational world, it's quite another when you're just a person who needs to kind of give the approval and go on with your day. Like we're playing inside baseball all the time and you do need to be able to present something in a consumable format for those that aren't, which is also where the markup comes into play in terms of being able to add these little touches and pieces to just help that communication. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, okay, so continuing on, what else in uh, this update really stands out in your mind? Maybe what's something that was flying under the radar a little bit that you think is actually quite important or really will resonate with people as this all becomes uh, something that people will start to really use? Yeah, so bringing it back to design, I, I would say flows. So flows was something that was in the design announcement. And the reason that that's important is because it just opens this box of, box of possibility when it comes to like how uh, advanced your conversation is able to be. So flows is a way that you manage the conversation and you manage context. You can kind of think about it like functions. So if I'm building um, like an order pizza flow, let's say to see is that a classic example, I can have all of the different secondary flows that are part of that experience. Um, like what are your store hours and, and, and help and payment flows all happening in a different canvas so that everything's kind of like modular and tucked away. And the reason that that's important, one is because you can have multiple developers building on, on, on different flows at the same time. You can have reusability across flows and across projects. So I can build this, here's how this help experience works for this kind of drive-through experience. And I can reuse that across different experiences. Um, and I can test it. So I can test just this chunk of the project that I wanna test as opposed to, to testing like the entire thing and having to start from the welcome and go through all the way, which if you've ever done user testing without a tool like VoiceFlow and you make one wrong step and <laughs> start over and it ends up taking you so long. So um, flows are a really great way to just improve, like I said, um, how articulate and how advanced a conversational AI is able to become. And then from a team's perspective, it's great for testing and it's great for reusability. Yeah. Love it. All right. Let's do one more. One other thing that you all released that you think we need to draw attention to. Yeah. So I don't know if I've already talked about the SDK, but I think. Yeah. Let's talk about the SDK. Landing on the SDK. Uh, which has definitely been flying under the radar for a while. We do have a couple teams using it. Um, it's just the list of opportunities are endless. So you can still use it if you did want to use it for a Google or Alexa, but you can also use the SDK when you're building for in-car assistance. You can use it when you're building for, you know, Microsoft Teams, Facebook Messenger, whatever it is, whatever channel that you want. It just gives you the ability to literally do whatever you want and add all of those customizations in, add all of the different analytics, add whatever NLP if you want to swap that out. And I think that's important because you do want to offer developers, you don't want to take away their creativity, just like you don't want to take away the designer's creativity. And you want to be able to um, support them through what it is that they need to build for their specific reason. And because conversational AI, you touched on this before, it's applicable across so many different verticals. 
anytime you have a situation where a customer is interacting with your company, that interface is basically an opportunity for conversational AI. So whether we're talking about drive-throughs, manufacturing, finance, like anything, you know, you're going to have different technical needs and the SDK is able to account for all of those different needs. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, um, just like you said, like all of the, all of this, I think in my mind boils down to coming up with more ways that people can naturally communicate with your systems in ways that your systems will respond back in a more natural manner. I mean, I remember before even the uh, voice flow too, when um, you all released that demo that was showing like the new NLP capabilities and the high fidelity smart prototyping. And it gives you the ability to like on the fly, like just change, like, hi, I'd like to order a pepperoni pizza. Um, and then like, you know, midway through the conversation, you're like, actually, you know what? I want that to be a cheese pizza. And, and you throw in like all these different variables, which for us, we do context switching all the time naturally. Like, it's just like, there's so much implied things within conversation that you draw back on so that, you know, naturally when you're just speaking with someone, you're like, oh yeah, they were referring back to, you know, two questions ago when I was asking for the kind of pizza, but that's what the big thing that's happening right now. Like that's what I keep trying to communicate on this podcast uh, for the folks that aren't as immersed in talking inside baseball, like you said about voice is that, you know, the state of where we're at with this technology, in my opinion, is that we've gone from a very brittle sort of framework that breaks all the time where it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. And then people walk away and they're like, this thing sucks. And, and then you have a bad taste in your mouth. And, and I think though, what's happening is that the not, all of the underlying stuff's getting significantly better, meaning that it's uh, uh, translating into just like a much better experience. Like the, um, it starts with the accuracy of understanding what you're saying goes dramatically up. You know, it's like now it understands more or less what I'm saying. And then the next big thing is going to be around like the actual natural conversational AI element of it, where it actually can kind of, in the same way that we communicate, it can refer back using the, all the context switching that we do. And so again, with this talking about a prototyping tool, I, I just think this is a, so cool that what we're kind of seeing in real time surfacing is a tool that's just so much more dynamic. It's so much more conducive to the way that we all actually communicate because ultimately that's what we're striving for is just so that what you said, when you have a bank, you know, clearly there's going to be a percentage, a small percentage of people that really need to speak to an operator. And so it's a matter of like, how do you filter out the 95% of people that we can more efficiently just get them what they need and get them on their way without having to tie up our operators. And a lot of that, like, that's, I think what IDR was ultimately trying to solve, but it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the optimal solution. And I think that we're kind of now in the midst of a lot of these new optimal solutions being built because what we're ultimately seeing are converse, uh, computers that are more or less learning how we communicate in like our language. We've always learned com computers languages through all the different, you know, um, Java and, and all the coding languages and all that. The ways that we have to get computers to talk back to us is always through their language. And now that what we're doing, I think, is we're creating a better system that can register the way that we naturally communicate so that in a few years, I think, or I hope, um, you'll be able to communicate in any one of these different channels and all these different modalities in a very natural way. And it will just feel like it's not something that's, um, you know, it's like alien to us. It's, I think it will kind of feel natural. Yeah. There's so much that you said that I love. The, the number one thing being the drawback. I think that's such an important piece of conversation design and like what makes a good experience a good experience. And it's something that it's only a problem that you realize you're going to have to account for once you get far down the road, far enough down the road of, of conversation design. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's the ability to design these natural conversations, human-like, not to the point where you're tricking people, but just to the point right. where you're comfortable enough to speak naturally as opposed to the way that we still kind of speak to our speakers, which might be a little bit more 
I'm enunciating and I'm speaking slower than I naturally would, like that kind of thing. You know, Rob showed us yesterday in V2, you can say, I really, 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 really want to order a pizza and it's going to, it's going to understand you. And it's just (laughs) able to sort of account for the different ways in which we communicate across languages, across cultures. And I think what will come from that in the next couple of years will be the persona development. So it's being able to design specifically for who I'm speaking to as a conversational AI. And if we go back to the banking or even let's talk about healthcare, those are the kinds of situations where you might, you know, you might want to switch personas and be a little bit more compassionate in the way that you speak to someone when you're talking about, um, you know, their knee surgery rehabilitation versus when you're just telling someone how to reset their password or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that that all boils down to context and having, I mean, when I first started to look at like the voice technology space, the, the thing that really registered with me was this idea of like contextually aware assistance. And this was back in like 2017. And so, um, it's taking longer than I think I initially thought, but that was just my naivety. I didn't realize how many challenges there were at the infrastructure, like the plumbing level of making the systems work in such a way that you can do that. But I think the big first step is making it so that they are a lot more. And it's just like you said, it's not in order to trick people and like, man, we're going to be living in a world where it's going to be impossible to discern one from the other. I don't think that's really the point. It's just to make it so that you can more naturally communicate with them, that you're not having to deliberately speak differently in such a way because you're like operating off of the assumption that like, if I speak in a natural way, it could break this thing. Mm-hmm. And so just to your point, as that happens, and I think that's well underway right now, um, what we'll probably start to see is a lot of the contextual understanding is that the way in which we communicate will be context dependent. It will be just like you said, where this particular conversation that I'm having, I use a different inflection in my voice. I use a different cadence in the way that I speak because it's a more sensitive subject or something like that. Or if I'm like Rob, where it's like, I want a pizza, you know, and it's like, uh, just get me a pizza. And I want this, this, and this. Um, I just think that it's all going to be boiled down to what exactly can we infer from the context clues here? And as the systems get more intelligent of how they can retrieve all that context, that's what will enable, like you said, kind of the more persona element to this, which I think is going to be a really fascinating iteration of this too. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the parts I'm most excited about. And it's it's just interesting because all of these extra pieces that are, are going to be added into the experience are part of the ways in which we communicate as humans uh, that we kind of get for free. It's just things we're able to infer, uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons that you're not consciously thinking about all the time. And you adapt your tone and you adapt how you're speaking to a person depending on who it is. And it's, you know, the AI just kind of catching up to that in order to meet us where we are in in terms of our preferred way of communication. Well said, well said. Um, Okay, well, as we sort of wrap up here, um, closing thoughts, I mean, anything else that you wanna draw attention to from, uh, you know, VoiceFlow 2? You know, one of my favorite things about you all is that it's always like at the tagline, it's at the bottom is like, we can't wait to see what you all build. And I guess, as we close, like, what are some of the things that you're expecting? You don't have to go into like super granular detail, but I'm just amazed at like the possibilities here. And again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, you have people that are developing these in a hundred different countries and it's just going to expand in time. And I, I think that we're at the, we're kind of seeing something special here. We're at the early onset of a totally new type of, of, subset of developers and and ways that we can design these different experiences. And it just feels kind of like we're at the beginning of something really cool. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm super excited about all of the possibilities and everything that we've set people up to be able to build. And I know that the team just feels so strongly about 
our community and supporting them in those things that they've been asking for. So we're excited to just see what folks do with the SDK, what kind of, you know, ideas and creativity kind of comes out of that. And for me, I think the the thing I'm the most excited about is seeing some of these in-car assistance that the teams have been designing our course will kind of come to life and any kind of experience that you think about it where audio or voice just offers a superior experience to the way things are happening now I think those are the ones that fire me up the most and those are the conversations that I'm most excited about having yeah I would say that audio and voice are like probably the embodiments of the of the internet right now it seems like that's where all the action is um, and I think that the two go hand in hand. There's going to be a lot of really interesting ways that the two work together. Uh, cause I agree with you. I mean, I think that these two spaces are so deeply intertwined because again, it's how you listen and how you, how you speak more or less. And, and so, so much of that is like how we now listen to computers and how we then also can speak in, um, to computers. And, and I just think that the technology is really is feeling like it's kind of moving into this more invisible like layer, you know, more or less. And, and it's allowing in a weird way, uh, uh, a lot more of a sort of, I don't know, like, um, there's just more ways that we all as, as each other and as humans, we can all communicate more effectively now. I mean, I think that so much of this is removing a lot of the, the task work, a lot of the grunt work of, of, you know, getting from point A to point P, it's like the jobs to be done thing where so much of that is just, you know, if it's my phone, I got to dig through it to even get to what I'm ultimately trying to get to. And it's so, I think that's the big pie in the sky value proposition is like, well, what if you could just speak it? And what if you could just interface with each other, you know, through these different things? I think, you know, I've talked about Clubhouse a number of times on this podcast where it's like, what's so fascinating about that to me is it's just like in we can now just like quickly hop on and speak with one another in, you know, one to one to one, five people, 50 people, a group of 5,000. I mean, it's just, it seems like we're kind of entering into this era where technology is more or less just enabling a level of communication that I don't think we've ever seen before. So I think it's getting interesting and, and things are definitely starting to take shape in that regard. So as we wrap up here, Anna, um, share with us where we can connect with you, learn more about VoiceFlow, uh, and just, you know, kind of continue on with everything VoiceFlow related. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter, uh, what's up, Anna. Uh, you can find VoiceFlow at www.voiceflow.com. You can find our tutorial videos at voiceflow.com slash tutorials. Uh, and I encourage you to check out all of that stuff and uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about anything that I talked about today. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Anna. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.